Hello, welcome to Second Impressions, the Pride and Prejudice podcast. My name is Tom. And I'm Grace. And we're going through Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice chapter by chapter. Today we are talking about chapter six. Mm Mm-hmm. But before we start, let me just give everyone a refresher of what happened in Chapter 5, which not a whole lot happens, but Charlotte and a few other Lucases visit the Bennets, and they discuss more about what happened at the ball in Chapter 3, where Jane famously danced two dances with Bingley, and Darcy infamously slighted Jane. Elizabeth. Elizabeth, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, so Grace, will you give us a summary of chapter six? Sure. So chapter six, a little more stuff happens. Um, it's It takes place through the course of a few more days, I think. Um, so basically now that they're all re- acquainted with each other, um, you know, the Bennets like the Bingleys, and the Bingleys sort of tolerate the Bennets, and at the very least they tolerate Jane, um, they're now, like, you know, visiting each other. So in chapter six, the Bennets visit Netherfield park again to visit miss bingley and mrs hurst and then um you know to be polite in and in polite society what you do is you return the visit so miss bingley and mrs hurst then visit the bennetts and they sort of um conclude (laughs) that they enjoy jane and elizabeth's company but pretty much can't stand the younger sisters and mrs bennett um even though they like elizabeth um, well, I mean, I guess she's just, she's tolerable enough that they choose to hang out with her. Mm-hmm. Um, she's better than the younger sisters. Yeah, they, you know, Elizabeth is still skeptical of the Bingleys um, because they're still sort of being a little pretentious. Um, and then uh, later on, Elizabeth and Charlotte um, have a discussion about Bingley and how sort of how things are going with between Bingley and Jane. Um, Charlotte says... So these are two very conflicting philosophies here. Charlotte says that Jane needs to move quicker and make her feelings more known to Bingley, like make it a little more obvious so that Bingley um, can like pick up that Jane is interested in him. Elizabeth says Jane is pretty much doing that in her own way. This is as much revealing of her feelings as Jane will allow. Like this is just Jane's personality. Um, Not to mention that Jane and Bingley have only hung out like a handful of times so Jane, you know, Elizabeth thinks Jane isn't even quite sure how she feels about Bingley. Um, and while they're talking, like, it seems that Darcy is now um, in these large gatherings. Darcy has been paying a little more attention to Elizabeth. She's catching his eye a little more. Um, yeah, so, you know, very big contrast to how he saw her at the ball, saying that she was not handsome enough to tempt him. Seems like now she is very much catching his eye and then further down in in chapter six the lucases have a party and darcy tries to strike up a conversation or rather no he doesn't try to strike up a conversation he kind of just like floats around and tries to like be near her to kind of hear what she's talking what she's saying Mm -hmm. um because he still can't socialize properly (laughs) um and then uh you know sort of at the end of the at the end of this little party at the Lucas's and Elizabeth and Mary play the piano, um, people dance and in true, like in true awkward friends, dad fashion, Sir William tries to get Darcy to ask Elizabeth to dance. And, um, 
does she say yes? Does she say no? We'll have to see. Um, the answer is no. She says no <laughs> because she still feels pretty slighted by Darcy and wants to give him, I think, a taste of his own medicine a little bit. Um, and then, you know, once Elizabeth refuses, she kind of walks away. And then Miss Bingley talks to Miss Darcy, Mr. Darcy about Elizabeth. You know, she's sort of seeing how Darcy is acting towards Elizabeth and, um, you know, wants Darcy to remember what the Bennets are all about. And yeah, that's kind of it. Great. Yeah, I think that covers it. All right. So this is a fun chapter. A lot happens in it. Oh, yeah. A lot of juicy stuff happens. Uh, so let's get into it. All right. Chapter six. Uh, so very first sentence of the chapter is the ladies of Longbourn soon waited on those of Netherfield. So what does this mean, Grace? So we it took a while to figure out what's happening here, but we came to the conclusion that that means that the ladies of Longbourn, the Bennets, went to go visit the ladies of Netherfield Park. Mm -hmm. uh, the visit was returned in due form, meaning Mrs. Hurst and Miss Bingley then went to Longbourn to yeah. visit the Bennets. And That's I, the etiquette, is to, like, if someone pays you a visit, you pay them a visit, too. And I think Austin is tipping us off, too, how this is proper etiquette in this, these words, due form. The visit was returned in due form. So yeah. That's about as, like, it's as... It's like the bare minimum uh -huh. is that you return a visit. You got to return it. So, but that's, the <laughs> those are being fulfilled, the, mm -hmm. that etiquette. Yep. Uh, Miss Bennett's pleasing manners grew on the goodwill of Mrs. Hurst and Miss Bingley. So Miss Bennett is Jane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And though the mother was found to be intolerable and the younger sisters not worth speaking to, a wish of being better acquainted with them was expressed towards the two eldest. So, well, so yeah, yeah, despite... Um, the Miss Bingley and Mrs. Hurst, um, who again will, I think, um, warrants a recap. Mrs. Hurst is Miss Bennett's, uh, Miss Bingley's sister. That's right. Yeah. She's yeah. just married. She's just married. Uh -huh. So these two sisters, um, from the Bingley family, they, uh, really don't want to hang out with the mom and the three younger daughters, but they think Elizabeth and Jane are nice enough that they'll hang out with them yeah a wish of being better acquainted with them was expressed towards the two eldest the two eldest uh, are the them here yeah. and this is italicized in the book and there's some interesting uh things that austin does with italics here but very important for this sentence because i think you would need that italicized them to make it clear that it's jane and elizabeth and jane and elizabeth only <laughs> yeah that the bingley miss bingley and mrs hurst want to know not lydia and mary or or a kitty. Or kitty. Yeah, can't <laughs> no, forget about kitty. <laughs> yeah, and especially not the mother. And especially not Mrs. Uh, Bennett. Mr. Bennett is nowhere. He's not Mr. participating in yeah, this at Mr. all. Mr. Bennett uh, is at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by Jane, this attention was received, the attention from Mrs. Hurst and Miss Bingley, was received with the greatest pleasure. But Elizabeth still saw superciliousness in their treatment of everybody, hardly accepting even her sister, and could not like them. Uh, so interesting here supercilious there's that word again it was used in the last chapter i believe saying that sir william is not supercilious despite right. his knighthood meaning he's not like present presumptuous pretentious mm -hmm. stuck up yeah but so even though the you know mrs hurst and miss bingley deign to hang out with jane and elizabeth elizabeth still kind of sees through their bullshit yeah they're still acting really superior yeah and hardly even accepting with Jane. So yeah. they're still kind of being condescending towards Jane in Elizabeth's eyes. Right. Which, you know, Jane being Jane, she's not gonna 
she's not going to see them critically. Like, it doesn't say what Jane thinks about this, but we can pretty much assume that Jane feels, Jane is not as um, critical of the Bingley sisters She doesn't as see, Elizabeth yeah, is. the condescension. Yeah. Even though it is there, we will see that in mm -hmm. how they treat her later and how Miss Bingley treats Jane later. Yeah. But because of this, Elizabeth could not like Miss Bingley, Mrs. Hurst. Through their kindness to Jane, such as it was, had a value as arising in all probability from the influence of their brother's admiration. So this is saying that even though Elizabeth doesn't like Miss Bingley and Mrs. Hurst, she sees the value in this relationship that Jane is building because yes. it comes from the admiration of Mr. Bingley. Yes, which is interesting because it's, you know, it seems like the sisters are willing to hang out with Jane if... Mr. If, if Mr. Bingley's affection towards Jane is pretty, like, like inconsequential, almost, at least to the sister's eyes, at least to Miss Bingley and Mrs. Hurst, it's like, it's okay that Mr. Bingley has taken an interest in Jane, but only so far, which we'll later see. That's a good point. We're going to see later that they don't want this match to happen between Bane, Jane yeah. and Mr. Bingley, but that Mr. Bingley, they're still going to follow his lead on this. Like, they see that he likes Jane, so they're going to be polite toward Jane. Right, but only polite. Yeah. They're not going to uh, encourage the right. match. Uh, it was generally evident whenever they met, whenever Jane and Bingley met, that he did admire her. And to her, it was equally evident that Jane was yielding to the preference which she had begun to entertain for him from the first, and was in a way to be very much in love but she considered with pleasure that it was, but Jane, I mean, I'm sorry, but Elizabeth considered with pleasure that it was not likely to be discovered by the world in general, since Jane united with great strength of feeling, a composure of temper, and a uniform cheerfulness of manner, which would guard her from the suspicions of the impertinent. What so does like impertinent mean, a, Grace? I'm sorry. Impertinence is like rudeness mm -hmm. and like presumptuousness. So like, this is a long sentence, but if we break it down, it's like, to Elizabeth, because Jane's her sister and they've known each other and she knows Jane well, to Elizabeth, um, it looks like Jane is actually, has, has actually taken an interest to Bingley. Um, yeah, it was generally evident when they met that Bingley admired Jane, and to Elizabeth, to her, to Elizabeth, it was equally evident that Jane was yielding to the preference which she had begun to entertain for him. So it's generally evident to the world, to this neighborhood, that Bingley likes Jane. Right. And to Elizabeth, it's evident that Jane likes Bingley. Yes. And interestingly enough, Elizabeth further then says she takes pleasure in that no one else seems to be quite catching on that Jane has really taken an interest in Bingley because to kind of flaunt this attraction is would be seen as like impert it would be seen as like impertinent or kind of like uh, almost dangerous for Jane mm -hmm. to to so openly favor someone. So to Elizabeth, it's a good thing that Jane has is seemed has seemed to succeed in concealing her feelings towards Bingley, which will prove to be uh, really bad in the end. Yeah, yeah. So Jane, I mean Elizabeth likes that Jane has a great feeling, unites a great strength of feeling with a composure of temper any uniform cheerfulness of manner meaning she's yeah. just like pretty much always upbeat it's hard to see her problems exactly uniform she, cheerfulness uh, i think this is also something that 
Austin would value, but a modern audience doesn't, is being able to hide your problems. <laughs> like, yeah. not, hide like, your... letting the world know. Uh... Yeah, but not just hide your problems, but hide your preference for someone to, like, mm -hmm. not let someone know, to not let society know that you like someone, which, um, at the very last end of the census, which would guard her, guard Jane, from mm -hmm. the suspicions of the impertinent. The impertinent being, like, the peanut gallery. Yeah, the backbiters. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So they're, they're not going to start, like, bad rumors about Jane. But also, if this all falls apart, it's going to be good for the Bennett family to, like, yeah. that, this is, that Jane isn't out there, like, talking about her imminent yeah. engagement to Bingley. That's where, the, like, the danger comes from, is because if Jane were to make her feelings really well known, and if everyone knows that Jane really favors Bingley, and it ends up that Bingley doesn't like Jane, then that's going to be hugely embarrassing for Jane. Uh, and so, yeah, the Bennets as a whole. Yeah, so it's almost, it's it's kind of like a catch, I don't know if I'm using this term right, it's a sort of a catch-22, because if you make your feelings known, then it's, or maybe like a double-edged sword is a better analogy, because mm -hmm. like if you make your feelings known, then it's good because then the man can pick up that you like him, but on the flip side, if you make your feelings known, A, society knows it and will like, you know, blast you all over the front page it's, news yeah it's gonna hurt your chances to get another husband oh yeah i didn't even think about that if it doesn't work say like hypothetically bingley doesn't return her favor then you know she lowers her chances of with another guy because he's it would be like well you know she almost got betrothed she almost got engaged to someone that she really liked mm -hmm. why would she does she would she even feel the same way towards another man yeah yeah this is just like this is the danger of the world that these characters live in mm -hmm. like the narrow line that they have to walk yeah so you know it might seem kind of it's not fair yeah it might seem kind of like silly to like a modern audience it's like why do you care who knows what who, 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 who's talking about whom but actually like back then gossip can really make or break a woman's reputation and her chances at getting married we're gonna see this with lydia's story Th yeah. that's gonna really emphasize like the the danger of, yeah truly uh -huh. not just endangering lydia but endangering the whole the family, whole family. <laughs> yeah um it's not fair but that's the way it was yeah. and that's how that's how it was back then mm -hmm. okay and so then um so yeah we learn about this relationship between Elizabeth and Jane and the Bing Miss Bingley and Mrs. Hurst. And she mentioned this to her friend, Miss Lucas. So now we are in another scene where Elizabeth is talking to Charlotte Lucas. Yes. And then Charlotte goes, It may perhaps be pleasant, replied Charlotte, to be able to impose on the public in such a case. Impose on meaning, um, like, to deceive. Like, it might be good to deceive the public. Mm -hmm. um, As to her, the true extent of Jane's feelings. Right. But it is sometimes a disadvantage to be so guarded, which we just kind of briefly mentioned earlier. If a woman conceals her affection with the same skill from the object of it, the object being meaning Bingley, mm -hmm. she may lose the opportunity of fixing him, meaning be like a cap acquiring, <laughs> acquiring him, him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. nailing him down. Yeah, yeah, nailing him down, yep. And it will then be but poor consolation to believe the world equally mm -hmm. in the dark. So basically charlotte's like yeah it's a good thing that the society that she's keeping her seek her feeling secret from society but um in doing so she might have accidentally concealed her feelings from the object itself from mr bingley and she's sort of like almost teasing in a way it's like it and you know it, she's not gonna be very happy about it if like the only thing she gets out of it is oh well, at least society didn't know that i liked him uh -huh, but bingley didn't even know himself yeah yeah and then charlotte continues on to say there is so much of gratitude or vanity in almost every attachment 
that it is not safe to leave any to itself. Mm, so interesting. it's like everything should be, your feelings should be, should all be laid out for him. Don't make him try to guess anything. What is your reading of this word gratitude? There's so much gratitude of gratitude or vanity in every attachment. So attachment like affection between people. Like there's so much of gratitude or vanity in almost every attachment. Okay, I clearly see what vanity is. It's like you need people need to like have their egos boosted in order to like for an attachment to grow kind of mm -hmm. gratitude like oh i'm happy that you like me like like you can like yeah is that it <laughs> i think? like thankfulness thankfulness uh there's so much like i don't know it's it's uh it's kind of confusing it's sort but... of like well you know you can say that you're grateful for every relationship but because you can say that about every relationship, you shouldn't just leave it at that with a potential romantic partner, right? Mm, I think the general message is that, like, you know, you have to you have to be out front with your feelings because people are inherently vain and they need to hear. Yeah, I, I like the appreciation. Maybe it means appreciation, right? Like, like they need that. Mm hmm. Yeah, and so we can. She goes on to say, we cannot begin freely. A slight preference is natural enough, but there are very few of us who have heart enough to be really in love without encouragement. Mm -hmm. We can all... She's talking about Bingley here, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. We so can she... all begin to have feelings. So I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. What were you going to say? Like, we can all begin to have feelings freely about someone. Yeah, we right? all have crushes here and there, uh -huh. but it takes a little more than just being gracious or, <laughs> you know, you know, consoling their vanity to have them, to have Bingley say, really want to pursue Jane with the intention of marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is the key line. There are very few of us who have heart enough to really be in love without encouragement. And here, Charlotte is insinuating that Jane isn't encouraging Bingley enough. Mm -hmm. You know, she's not stroking his ego. <laughs> <laughs> Which men need, yeah. It's a start relationship. It is, I think... This is an incredibly fair point that there are very few of us who have heart enough to really be in love without encouragement. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Although it is interesting because uh, Jane, uh, Charlotte says this because for the most part, back then, if you're courting, it's mo mostly it's the men courting the woman. You know, she it's it's a tr it's a very tricky situation to put women in back then and also to today, you mm -hmm. know, with like, you know, slut shaming is still a big thing here. It's like. On the one hand, you want to encourage him to to really fall in love with you, but on the other hand, you know it's it's a it's you put yourself at risk. You put yourself in the forefront of people's attention, and then you could very well get hurt in the process. I yeah, I guess she she is advocating like you have to the the women in this uh, instance has to like you know, give the hint, like show yeah. that they're over there, that they're open to. Right. Uh, it seems like Jane, well, yeah, as we learned earlier, Jane is only kind of being very courteous and happy smiles and very like, you know, like a very fun person to be around, but not doing much more beyond that to give Bingley an indication that she actually favors him. Yeah, that he should risk uh, the proposal. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> uh, Modern day Charlotte would be like, Jane needs to stop being a prude. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, well, so if that sound here, let's listen to this line and see what we feel about this. She, <laughs> so then Charlotte, she says, there are very few of us who have the heart enough to be really in love without encouragement. In nine cases out of 10, 
a woman had better show more affection than she feels. Bingley likes your sister undoubtedly, but he may never do more than like her if she does not help him on. So... I, I like this in nine cases out of ten. Uh, just like, where is yeah. this statistic this st Charlotte stat. is pulling from? Like, probably just not. It's probably just like a, a figure of speech. I think she's being a little hyperbolic when she says a woman had better show more affection than she feels. But we also have to remember Charlotte's situation. You know, she is older. She, it's more, uh, you know, important for her to nail down someone quickly. Yeah, she has more, she has more siblings and her family has less money than the Bennets. Um... Or she has more younger siblings and less money than the Bennets, and she is older and she's not as pretty or as as witty, or really has or as charming as any of the Bennet sisters really, um, save for like Mary. <laughs> yeah, and she has a less romantic view of marriage. I think she sees we're gonna see this more in what she says next, but she sees marriage as more of, you know, you start it first and then you build the affection. She yeah. doesn't have a whole lot of hopes of, like, building affection beforehand. Like, the reason she says you have to show more affection than you feel is because that she doesn't believe, like, real affection can happen until someone's married already, I suppose. Mm, which is, you know, a very sad, sad philosophy in towards marriage. But... Yeah, yeah uh, sort of itself. like make it, fake it till you make it sort of thing. <laughs> like just fake the affection and then you'll yeah. feel it eventually. Yeah, what's more important is you get married, not that you actually like the person you're marrying. <laughs> <laughs> but her, Charlotte's overall point here is that Jane's got to lead Bingley on a little bit more. She's got to show her feelings more. Yeah, but Elizabeth then says, but she does help him on as much as her nature will allow. If I can perceive her regard for him. He must be a simpleton <laughs> to not to discover it too. So now Elizabeth, um, you know, in full like sisterly, in the full sisterly defense of Jane is like saying Jane is doing that. Like Jane is by nature a very reserved person. So like the f very fact that she's hung out with him now is proof that she likes him. Mm -hmm. And if if Bingley can't see it, then he's a dummy. Yeah. Uh, well, Charlotte makes a very good point to this. Remember, Eliza. That he does not know Jane's disposition as you do. Right. So, mm -hmm. he, yeah. So, you know, whether or not you agree with Charlotte on some things, you can't deny that Charlotte is intelligent and makes fair points and is not supposed to be seen as, like, a silly person, like a, like a Lydia or Mrs. Bennet. Right, right, right. Um, and then Elizabeth goes, But if a woman is partial to a man and does not endeavor to conceal it, he must find it out. So that's a little bit, you're being a little hopeful there, Elizabeth. Yeah, Elizabeth is, she, she's very, she's, it's a little bit of a naive statement to say like, hey, if a woman isn't actively hiding the fact that she likes a man, then it's up to the man to, to like continue to court Jane or to, to continue to court, to, to sorry, to continue to court the woman. And yeah, sort of like, break down her barriers which... yeah yeah well like she just believes that if you if partiality is there it will be discovered <laughs> yeah and she thinks that jane is being very partial towards being like, as partial as, as jane's disposition will allow her to be mm -hmm. but charlotte responds to this Perhaps he must, if he sees enough of her, he must find out her affections. Mm -hmm. But though Bingley and Jane meet tolerably often, it is never for many hours together. And as they always see each other in large mixed parties, it is impossible that every moment should be employed in conversing together. Jane should therefore, 
make the most of every half hour in which he can command his attention. When she is secure of him, there will be leisure for falling in love as much as she chooses. So more of this kind of philosophy of love comes later. First comes marriage, then comes love. Yeah. That's that's not an un... Like, a lot of people had that opinion of that time. That's This is not from out of left field. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Charlotte is also bringing up the fact that they've only... They're only interacting in large parties. It's like... Which is the only appropriate way for them to interact. Yeah, yeah. again, another, like, kind of another um, paradox Mm -hmm. that women of the time were caught in. Like, you know, how do you make your feelings known to a person when the only acceptable form of of engaging with each other is in a large group of people? Also, marriage is not built on love at this time. Yeah. You know? I feel like maybe that's that's a huge, like, umbrella that we're operating under is that Elizabeth's Elizabeth's ideals are very um, unusual that you should marry for love. Mm-hmm. It, it's because of books like this that, you know, marriage has turned into the institution it is now. This, right. I mean, this is a larger, like, point, but uh-huh. marriage did not start off, like, about romantic love. That was, like, an idea people had. <laughs> That's, like, an idea that uh-huh. started in, like, the 20th century. <laughs> well... 19th century. Okay, fine, 19th uh, century. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it didn't get, you know, employed until the 20th century. Uh-huh. Um, so it's funny that Charlotte sort of equates the idea of falling in love as, like, a leisure, <laughs> a leisurely <laughs> yeah, activity. Yeah, when she's secure of him, there will be leisure for falling in love. <laughs> well, because you're working hard now to yeah, find yeah. a man. This is not leisure. Like, once the marriage is, once, once you've, you know, said your vows, then you can, like, pursue... Uh, trying to fall in love with your your husband uh-huh. and if mrs bennett hasn't made it clear enough you know this is not fine games <laughs> falling in love and finding a husband is not just having fun right this yeah. is serious business <laughs> so what does elizabeth say okay so your plan is a good one replied elizabeth where nothing is in question but the desire of being well married mm-hmm. true yeah. yeah everything charlotte is saying is with the intention of securing a husband and if i were determined to get a rich husband or any husband mm-hmm. i dare say i should adopt it so Elizabeth's like, yeah, if you're if the ultimate plan is to get married, by all means, yeah, marry first and then fall in love later. And this is like Elizabeth is great because she has this philosophy. This sets her apart from a lot of her peers mm-hmm. is that she being well married is not for like the forefront of her mind. That's not her priority in life yeah. or like to secure a rich <laughs> husband. She wants to be well married, but not necessarily just to secure someone rich. Yeah, uh-huh. it's almost like in this instance, Elizabeth maybe needs to check her privilege a little. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Charlotte is not in a place where she can say the same thing. Uh-huh. Um, but these are not Jane's feelings. Jane is not acting by design. So it's like she's saying Jane isn't trying to secure a marriage, only, only secure a a good marriage through Bingley. Well, Jane is, has real affection, yeah. and she is not acting to manipulate Bingley. Right, and that's why Elizabeth loves Jane uh-huh. so much and, and wants this to work out, is because Jane actually likes Bingley. Um, as yet, she cannot even be certain of the degree of her own regard, nor of its reasonableness. She has known him only a fortnight. Two weeks. <laughs> she danced four dances with him at Meryton. Okay, right, time out. Remember how each dance comprises yeah. two. So that's Let's, the yeah. math checks out <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Mrs. Bennett, as you know, has confirmed with many people that Jane danced twice with Mr. Bingley, but every dance comprises of like two um dances, two like separate dances. Yeah, two yeah, separate dances, uh-huh. which means she danced a total of four dances okay. with Bingley. Yeah. Um la la la. She danced with him four times at Meriton. 
She saw him one morning at his own house and has since dined in company with him four times. That is not quite enough to make her understand his character. Not as you present it, Charlotte said, had she merely dined with him, but she might only have discovered whether he had a good appetite. But you must remember that four evenings have also been spent together, and four evenings may do a great deal. Okay, so she's saying, Elizabeth, not as you present the time that they spent together can you form a real affection yeah and like had, elizabeth yeah. is just going through like the numbers had she only dined with him she might only have discovered whether he had a good appetite thanks charlotte for that <laughs> little joke uh, <laughs> but remember that four evenings have been spent together and four evenings made you a great deal which is not crazy yeah people get married at this time for less than four evenings yeah and then it's like dinner is not just to, to dine at a person's place is not to just sit down at, at the dinner table eat and then go home they then would like retire to the parlor or the tea mm -hmm. room or whatever and hang out a little bit so to charlotte this is like ample time to yeah. to want to marry someone. well charlotte we'll later see she does not have anywhere close to four evenings with collins before they get engaged she has about four minutes with collins. this whole conversation <laughs> is informing what charlotte will later do with collins spoiler alert yeah. but it's preparing us to not be shocked when she accepts such like a ridiculous man mm -hmm. Um, and then Elizabeth goes, yes, these four evenings have enabled them to ascertain that they both like vent uh better than commerce. So vent uh and commerce are like card games. So she's saying like, yeah, all this proves is that, okay, Jane might know what card game he likes. Uh -huh. I think if you look, I don't know really the, about these card games, but it kind of speaks a little bit to how Jane and uh, Bingley are maybe slightly more refined than <laughs> the other uh, people around them. They like this French sounding ca card game better than a very crass sounding card game called Commerce. Or like Whist uh -huh. or something. <laughs> um, but with respect to any other leading characteristic... I do not imagine that much has been unfolded. So, yeah, once again, Elizabeth is a little bit idealistic in thinking that Jane just has all the time in the world to get to know Bingley and that having hung out four times is not nearly enough to understand Bingley's character, which I kind of disagree with. Like, even for modern times, if you go on four dates with someone, I feel like you do get a good sense of their characteristic and personality. Mm -hmm. You know, if you just go on, like, four dinner dates with someone, I think a lot can be revealed. I think so. But then again, maybe modern dates are like one-on-ones, whereas... Well, and yeah, maybe you're not getting married after <laughs> the four too. dates. That's true, yeah, I know. But it, that's it true, yeah. it's being a little, a little like, I feel like, um, she's not being very generous with uh -huh. the time that Jane has spent with Bingley. I think she's being a little overly scrupulous, but it is very important to Elizabeth's character that she believes in, you know, true matches like matches where people actually get along and yeah. like characters are thoroughly well known yeah i think it's also is a good it's a good indication of just how like how much elizabeth um cares for jane and how much she like is protective of jane mm -hmm. which that like she only want only wants the best the best absolute best match for jane which is really that makes sense yeah, yeah. which i think I think it's great. Uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, okay. So then this is great. Charlotte's next monologue, which I really make Charlotte a very interesting character. Well, said Charlotte, I wish Jane success with all my heart. And if she were married to him tomorrow, I should think she had as good a chance of happiness as if she were to be studying his character for a 12 month. Happiness in marriage is entirely a matter of chance. If the dispositions of the parties are ever so well known to each other, or ever so similar beforehand, it does not advance their felicity in the least, meaning their happiness. Felicity means happiness. They always continue to grow 
sufficiently unlike afterwards to have their share of vexation. So she's saying, no matter how well you know someone before you get married, no matter how similar your characteristics, personalities are, people continue to change even as the years go on, which means you'll have just as good a chance of being unhappy in marriage as if you <laughs> married anyone. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Too. Uh-huh. If it is better... Uh, so they always continue to grow sufficiently unlike, sufficiently unsimilar, these two, this married couple, afterwards, after their marriage, to have their share of vexation, like stresses and problems. Mm -hmm. And it is better to know as little as possible of the defects of the person with whom you are to pass your life. Oof. That is pretty much Charlotte's philosophy summed up in one monologue uh, is charlotte is very very cynical about the idea of love and like compatibility with a person i mean it's fair everyone has their defects and it's honestly not a terrible point that no matter what you're like when you get married people change mm -hmm. probably the mr and mrs bennett could be proof of that mm -hmm. like mrs bennett was probably one type of way when when they were young and and then Mr. Bennett probably saw, was attracted to that. And then now, 25 years later or so, Mrs. Bennett is this whole other person. And maybe even Mr. Bennett is now a whole other person. And they are quite, their marriage is quite an unhappy one. Uh -huh. I think that's totally fair. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. In the last chapter, Austin calls Charlotte sensible. Mm -hmm. And all this is presented in a very sensible sounding way, even though it's incredibly cynical. So I don't think Austin wants us to just like toss out what charlotte is telling us right yeah she like the author is not trying to say charlotte's point is the correct point and that elizabeth is wrong but she's not portraying charlotte as as silly or like to, for her for her like philosophies to be outrightly rejected because she makes really good points and these are probably the points that were like at the forefront of people's minds during this time is to like just marry first and mm -hmm. you know Every marriage is just like a coin toss of whether or not you'll get along in the end. She admits there are happy marriages, but she's like, it's totally a matter of chance. Like, there's nothing you can do to ensure it, basically. Like, you're lucky if it happens. Yeah, uh -huh. because people change, she yeah. says. Like, even at, the start of a, uh, even at the start of a marriage, you could be, like, totally in love, totally on the same wavelength. But then people grow apart, and then that leads to, like unhappiness and vexations in their marriage and mm -hmm. you know divorce was not an option really back then so it's like she's just like you know whether or not you love him in the beginning or or not it's all comes <laughs> it all comes crashing down anyway uh, there's a real like feeling of futility like uh, yeah. <laughs> like it's out of your hands basically whether you'll have a happy marriage or not right charlotte is she's not um she's not she doesn't portray she doesn't see marriage as like a, a next a, a chance at happiness uh -huh. or a next, cha a next chapter of your life. She just sees it as like something that you got to do to survive. Hey, and yeah, that's that's what she had to do at that time. Mm -hmm. That's what the, the Bennets have to do. That's why Mrs. Bennet is so marriage crazy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, it's very, it's very incredibly cynical, but it's worth like talking about. And it's also worth not just like throwing Charlotte, like throwing these opinions out, like... It's worth thinking about them, and they're not, Austin's not presenting them as entirely ridiculous. But what, what does Elizabeth say to this? So Elizabeth responds, You make me laugh, Charlotte, but it is not sound. You know it is not sound, and that you would never act in this way yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Famous last words. I wonder uh, if there's any fan fiction out there about Charlotte. And 
<laughs> I don't know. And Collins, I guess. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely, I mean, I've seen like, you know, I've seen sort of interpretations of Charlotte as being like a closet lesbian mm. because she, she thinks she'll never find happiness in marrying a man. And one could interpret that is because she is just doesn't want to marry a man mm -hmm. and that her, her closest relationship is with Elizabeth. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely like probably Charlotte Elizabeth fan fiction. There, <laughs> I mean, that's a would thoroughly modern reading. Yeah. Well, I'd read that also. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. It's interesting, but I like how Elizabeth's just like, I can't like even refute this. Like, like you just make me laugh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Not just that, but like, like. You would never act this way, Charlotte, which she very well does at the very end. I do. I really appreciate their friendship, and I think Charlotte gives uh, Elizabeth something that she obviously can't get from Jane. That's and true. Like, yeah, Jane uh -huh. won't. Jane won't. Um, Jane won't bite back. Right. Whereas Charlotte will totally call Elizabeth out sometimes and like tease her back, which I think Elizabeth needs in a friend and likes. And like, uh -huh. yeah. I also, I think she's the only one. Charlotte is the only person that calls Elizabeth Eliza. So that's a nice little mm. nickname that she has for her. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, well, and then we take a very abrupt turn. So that is the end of that scene. Mm -hmm. And then the next paragraph says, Occupied in observing Mr. Bingley's attentions to her sister, Elizabeth was far from suspecting that she was herself becoming an object of some interest in the eyes of his friend, of Bingley's friend. And who is this? Mr. Darcy, the one and only. So, yeah, it's interesting that the narrator decides, rather than reveal slowly Darcy's a f growing, um, growing fondness or growing affection towards Elizabeth, the author's just going to, or the narrator's just going to straight out tell you, hey, Darcy is starting to notice Elizabeth, and here's what happened. Mm -hmm. I love how, like, Austin so authoritatively can just jump perspectives. Like, yeah. now we're, not only is this a great, like, break, like, scene's done, let's go to Darcy, but, like, now let's go into Darcy's perspective. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, okay. Um, Mr. Darcy had at first scarcely allowed Elizabeth to be pretty. Which we all saw with mm -hmm. our own eyes. <laughs> <laughs> he had looked at her without admiration at the ball. And when they next met, he looked at her only to criticize. <laughs> so I just gotta, let me get a closer look and really see what's wrong with this face. <laughs> um, but no sooner had he made it clear to himself and his friends that she had hardly a good feature in her face than he began to find it was rendered uncommonly intelligent by the beautiful expression of her dark eyes. Mm -hmm. So of course, once he makes it clear to everyone that he is not attracted to Elizabeth at all, mm -hmm. then he starts to be like, well... She really does have a good face, actually. You want to talk about this a little bit? Yeah, well, just that, you know, I, well, we sort of came to the realization that this is sort of, um, this is a, in, uh, a very sympathetic um, portrayal of Darcy, because mm -hmm. not only are we in his mind now, and of course, if you're you know, a way, to great, a, a way to grant sympathy towards a character is to, like, see things from his perspective. So now we're seeing things from his perspective, and he appreciates, he's appreciating Lizzie now. Uh, initially, he didn't talk to her, only basically saw her across the room. I was like, man, she, she a butterface. <laughs> <laughs> and now, um, now that he's starting to kind of, they're kind of, like, in each other's circles more and more, he is struck by her intelligence and, mm. um, the most distinguishing feature of her is her eyes, which, you know, 
are the windows to the soul. Uh-huh. So it's not so much about her her face as a whole because we'll still see that she he's gonna go on to criticize her a little more but <laughs> he appreciates her for the qualities that aren't right right on the off like on the onset like he admires her intelligence mm-hmm. which um elizabeth has in spades and yeah yeah uncommonly intelligent uncommonly right? intelligent uh-huh. yeah so yeah. she's she's someone that is gonna like peak his own um wit like if they're, they're gonna be like a battle of wits almost yeah it's an intellectual attachment and i think it's important that he is such a dick at first (laughs) and like proclaims that he is not attracted to her at all because then that would almost be like building the grounds for a superficial relationship yeah his his initial disdain of her was purely superficial Mm -hmm. like he didn't even try to get to know her yeah well and that makes their attachment that much greater Mm -hmm. the fact that it wasn't just like oh you know look beautiful woman i'm in love yeah it's like oh <laughs> woman i can't stand but actually <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it goes a little deeper than yeah. bingley and jane which you know jane is so outwardly attractive that um bingley is just immediately drawn to her and i like how he discovers that he actually likes her face by studying at studying her face more just for to criticize her so it's almost <laughs> like darcy is acting beyond his own uh understanding here yeah it's like she yeah, it's like in paying more attention to her with the intention to criticize, he has now been struck by the love bug. <laughs> he looked at her only to criticize. I don't think that's something you do no. to someone who like you're perfectly indifferent to. You don't yeah. like study out their, <laughs> I don't know, their face so you could criticize it more. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so he uh, no sooner... Had he made it clear that he that she had hardly a good feature in her face, then he began to find it was rendered uncommonly intelligent by the beautiful expression of her dark eyes. That's it. It's beautiful. It's not mm. handsome. It's not even pretty. It's not even, it's not tolerable. It's beautiful. Yeah. Which is a huge compliment, I think, to just, not even back then, but like now, to just consider someone with that has beautiful eyes. Yeah, the beautiful expression. Or the beautiful uh, expression. That's what another a, like intellectual word, expression. Yeah, what a, like, what a compliment, you know? <laughs> Better than anything Bingley has ever paid to Jane. Oh, uh, well, Bingley's uh, compliments ring hollow compared yeah. to that. Like, oh, she's a living angel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to this discovery succeeded some others equally mortifying. That's these. This is Austin adopting uh, Darcy's words when she says mortifying. Yeah. To this discovery succeeded some others equally mortifying mortifying to Darcy. Mm-hmm. Though he had detected with a critical eye more than one failure of perfect symmetry in her form. Her, like, appearance. He was forced to acknowledge her figure to be light and pleasing, and in spite of his asserting that her manners were not those of the fashionable world, he was caught by her easy playfulness. Their easy playfulness, I'm sorry. The easy playfulness of her manners. Mm-hmm. So... He's he's falling for her brain. Uh-huh. He's falling in love with her brain, which is what Elizabeth wants. She she wants someone who can like intellectually stimulate her, and Darcy seems to possess these qualities. Mm. Well, and also, it's funny that at the same time, Darcy's someone who will look out the failures of oh the gosh, symmetry yeah. of your form. Every uh-huh. sentence in here starts out with an insult, <laughs> and then like he's like, oh, but like, oh, you know. She doesn't have the qualities of polite society, but she's actually pretty fun to be around. Uh, so, like, it's it's very, it's part compliment, part insult. <laughs> Asserting that her manners were not those of the fashionable world. Yeah. She was caught by their easy playfulness. So, 
<laughs> I, I think if we want to look for examples of manners of the fashionable world, that would probably be Miss Bingley. Yeah. Which isn't, those aren't really great manners. No, to just be like, like surface level, or surface level polite. Mm -hmm. Like that's all Bing Miss Bingley is. Yeah, we're, Elizabeth, you know, she has this easy playfulness. She is not affected. She is a natural person, I think that means. That's right, yeah. These aren't learned qualities. These aren't things that you had to, like, be taught, I think, is what Darcy is sort of starting to see in Elizabeth. And, you know, by virtue of the narrator saying Darcy is saying this, Dar uh, the narrator is also saying, like, Elizabeth's playfulness is not, is not learned. It's not, like, with any intention. She's just being herself here. Mm-hmm. Uh, of this, of all of these reflections, Elizabeth was perfectly unaware. To her, Darcy was only the man who made himself agreeable nowhere, <laughs> and who had not thought in her who had not thought her handsome enough to dance with. That's all Elizabeth thinks of Darcy at this moment. Yeah. So all of these like inner machinations are going on in Darcy. He's seeing her in this new light. He's starting to catch the feels. To Elizabeth, Darcy is just still the guy who slighted her for no reason. Mm, and that's fair. Yeah. Uh, Darcy began to wish no, to know more of Elizabeth, and as a step towards conversing with her himself, attended to her conversations with others. Uh, so he's like, I want to talk to Elizabeth. I'm going to do this. How. Yeah, I don't know how. So I'm just going to listen into her conversations <laughs> with other people and maybe glean her manner that way. Yeah. Uh, um, I think this is more of what you were saying. Like, I find Darcy, like, endearing here. No, yeah, absolutely. He... In this, he's redeeming himself for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, he he's now it's, it's almost like it's now like Elizabeth has the advantage. You know, she has the higher ground, and like you know, he he's now like kind of um a little not really like wrapped, not really like on her hook, but he is now interested in Lizzie, whereas Lizzie has no interest in being anywhere near this man. Mm -hmm. Which, uh, it's also important that he can acknowledge when he's wrong. Or, and yes. he has the ability to change. Yes, uh, he does. Yeah. He has the ability to to correct his himself. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, also a little socially awkward for all his pride. Yeah. So we, we see a little chink in the armor. And it's funny because, you know, he, A, being a man, but also being a man of, of high status, doesn't have to learn how to be social. Mm -hmm. He can, he never has to worry about socializing with women or even getting married because he doesn't have to i think austin knows that we all like the you know the flawed romantic lead a little bit more than like a bingley you know yeah yeah no, you want someone with a little a little depth to <laughs> uh, a little willingness yeah, to yeah, change right. even some like flaws yeah okay so now we're gonna go into another scene so he began to wish no of her and attended her conversations with others his, his yeah go yeah, ahead well so his doing so drew her notice. Mm -hmm. So Elizabeth is very perceptive. Nothing goes nothing goes past Lizzie. Um, it was at Sir William Lucas's where a large party were assembled. Now we're at a party at Sir William Lucas's lodge. Yes, Lucas uh -huh. Lodge. Uh, what does Darcy mean? Elizabeth said to Charlotte by listening to my conversations with Colonel. By listening to my conversation with Colonel Forrester. That is a question which Mister Darcy can only answer. Mm -hmm, says Charlotte. But if he does it anymore, I shall certainly let him know that I see what he see what he is about. This is Elizabeth talking. He has a very satirical eye, and if I do not begin by being impertinent myself, I shall soon grow afraid of him. So she says, 
if he listens to more conversations, I'll know what he's up to, which is to make fun of me. That's what she thinks she's doing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it also shows, like, her rebelliousness. That's mm-hmm. like, well, if he's going to stand around me and, like, listen in on my conversations, I'm going to make it super awkward for him. <laughs> yeah, she has a very satirical eye. And if I do not begin by being impertinent myself, if I don't, like, make the first move, if I don't criticize him, mm-hmm. like, turn my satirical eye towards him, I will soon grow afraid of him. I will, like, soon, I don't know, worry about the slights that more slights or yeah. something it's a very honest and open thing to say to be like well if i don't say anything then he's gonna like have the advantage over me mm-hmm. yeah so she's like i'm gonna go up and say something impertinent to him because i think he's been watching me all night mm-hmm. with the intention of making fun of me yep and so on his approaching them soon afterwards though without seeming to have any intention of <laughs> he's speaking, just coming over to listen to this conversation uh-huh. yeah miss lucas defied her friend to mention such a subject to him which immediately provoking Elizabeth to do it, she turned to him and said, Did you not think, Mr. Darcy, that I expressed myself uncommonly well just now when I was teasing Colonel Forster to give us a ball at Meryton? Okay, uh, so Darcy comes over to listen to their conversation. And not saying anything. Uh, and Miss Lucas, I think when it says she defied her friend to mention such a subject to him, she's like, oh yeah, you're really going to say something impertinent to him? Like, let's see you do it. I agree with that interpretation. Uh-huh. We We were sort of like, trying to figure out what defied means like um a very like the basic interpretation is that miss lucas would most charlotte would be like no don't say anything but i think it's way more a it's way more interesting and probably more likely that charlotte is sort of like egging on elizabeth to then say something um impertinent to Uh, mr darcy i this might be wrong. I think you could use the word dared there. Miss Lucas dared her friend to mention yeah. such a subject. Mm-hmm. Okay, but yeah, exactly. So uh, now she says this to Mr. Darcy. So she's like, don't you think I was expressing myself uncommonly well when I was teasing Colonel Forrester about yeah. giving us a ball? It's like, don't you agree with me, Mr. Darcy? Shouldn't, Miss, shouldn't, shouldn't Colonel Forrester give us a ball? And then <laughs> Darcy goes, with great energy, but it is a subject which always makes a lady energetic. <laughs> and what is that subject? dancing balls yeah yeah it's like yeah well you know don't women love balls (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then elizabeth says you're severe on us us meaning all women i think (laughs) Uh, and then charlotte comes up and says it will be her turn soon to be teased said miss lucas her meaning elizabeth after so elizabeth you've been teasing darcy Mm -hmm. and then she charlotte comes up and says to darcy it will soon be elizabeth's turn to be teased I'm going to open the instrument, Eliza, and you know what follows. So Charlotte says, it'll soon be Elizabeth's turn to be teased because I'm going to go up to the piano and you know what comes next is, Elizabeth, you have to come up after me. And I'm kind of like making a joke about your musical abilities here. (laughs) You're going to be teased for your lack of abilities. Yeah. And then Elizabeth goes, you are a very strange creature by way of a friend, (laughs) Uh always wanting me to play and sing before anybody and everybody. If my vanity had taken a musical turn, you would have been invaluable. But as it is, I would rather not sit down before those who would be in the habit of hearing the very best performers. Mm, I think that's a little slight at Darcy now. It's a slight uh, at Darcy, but it's also like a humble, it's sort of like um, a self-deprecating joke. Mm-hmm, because yeah. Elizabeth knows that she's not a very talented mus- musician. So she's like, yeah, I guess I'll play, but, you know, no one here is going to want to hear me play if if what they're expecting is good musicians, <laughs> which I think is very endearing. Elizabeth is very witty and, mm-hmm. like, 
it's almost like very British humor to be so self-deprecating yeah, yeah. in this way. Well, this was also, it was very important for like, you know, a, a young lady, a young woman looking to find marriage to be able to play instruments or like do art, you know, to yeah. acquire these like kind of what they would consider at that time, like superficial accomplishments. Yeah. yeah, which we'll later see what Darcy sees as an accomplished woman. But I also like this this because like... It also shows Elizabeth isn't embarrassed mm. to play in public. Yeah. She, you know, I mean, she knows she's not very good, but she's not going to, like, let that get in the way of her having fun. Like, she knows she's not the best piano player, but she's not going to be embarrassed by no, it. No, yeah, she's fine. And she has better attitude about it than Mary does, so everyone enjoys it more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I also like, you know, when she says you're a very strange creature by way of a friend. That's a funny line. But it kind of just like informs like her and Elizabeth and Charlotte kind of have like a roast, a roastum, toastum type friendship. They yeah. like to rag on each other. Yeah, uh-huh. it's really it's really endearing that Elizabeth is able to find such a, a such a friend in Charlotte that like someone who can also be a, sh- a little bit of a shithead with <laughs> with Elizabeth. Uh-huh. Uh, on Miss Lucas's per- persevering, however, that Elizabeth would play the piano. She added, very well, Elizabeth added, if it must be so, it must. And gravely glancing at Darcy, she said, there's a fine old saying which everybody here is of course familiar with, keep your breath cool to, keep your breath to cool your porridge and I shall keep mine to swell my song. (laughs) Okay, so she says, I'm not a great musician. You know, people here are gonna be expecting better or have heard better. And Miss Lucas presses her more and is like, all right, you have to play. And Elizabeth's like, very well. If I must, I must. And she looks at Darcy gravely. Gravely, with like ver- which means like very seriously. Uh-huh. And she says, there is a fine old saying, which everybody here is, of course, familiar with. Keep your breath to cool your porridge, and I shall keep mine to swell my song. So I think she's saying like, let me, this expression means like, stop talking, hold your breath, right? Yeah, keep yeah. your breath to blow on your steaming bowl of porridge. Yeah, rather than waste uh-huh. it on talking. Yeah, and, but instead I'm going to keep my breath to sing this song soon. Yeah, So and I, she's, she's saying, yeah. Oh, so I have to stop talking to you, <laughs> so this conversation's <laughs> over. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. so I must stop talking to you yeah. because I need to save my, save my breath for this song that I'm going to sing. It also shows like, the fact that she says it so seriously, it's like she's she's doing a mock seriously. She's mm-hmm. like, here is this grand task before me. I must, I simply must, um, I simply must save my, my, my voice so that I can sing for this crowd of people who are expecting great music. And so for that reason, I must stop talking to you. <laughs> and this is a very like homespun phrase. She, yeah. She's kind of like mocking Darcy a little bit. Like She's mocking Darcy. Uh-huh, like affecting his pride to say like, keep your breath to cool your porridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It also, yeah, it also like, you know, further, it also shows her intelligence by taking a very sort of contrived uh, figure of speech, keep your breath to cool your porridge and like putting, putting her own spin on it. It's like this, you know, this expression that, is used to say shut up i'm gonna make like a a um like a new expression to to say like oh i'm gonna keep my breath to sing later to swell my song it's actually a really nice turn of phrase swell uh, my song. Yeah, yeah that great alliteration <laughs> it's also kind of like i'm done talking to you like <laughs> i i can be doing better things with my breath right yeah uh, yeah boring uh, <laughs> 
Um, and she's going to play the piano and sing. This, yes. I, this would be common at parties. Yes, that's what people did back uh-huh. then, was play the piano and sing. Because no records. No if you records. wanted music, you had to either know yourself or yep. hire a musician. No series, uh, no Alexa. Yeah, <laughs> no jukeboxes. No jukeboxes. <laughs> yeah. um, her performance was pleasing, Elizabeth's, though by no means capital. So not good, but not great. Uh-huh. After tolerable, we could say. <laughs> After a song or two, and before she could reply to the entreaties of several that she would sing again, she was eagerly succeeded at the instrument by her sister Mary, who, having in consequence of being the only plain one in the family, worked hard for knowledge and accomplishments, was always impatient for a display. Okay, so Elizabeth's performance is fine. It's pleasing. People want her to sing another song. Mm-hmm. Probably just because she's so charming. Uh-huh. But then she leaves, and Mary comes up to the piano, and because she is the only plain sister in the family, she worked hard for knowledge and accomplishments and is always impatient to display. Basically just to show off, because she can't show off in her person. Yeah, uh-huh. it's really sad. She, it's like She's like saying, like, I have value, too, mm-hmm. just because I'm plain and not charming and don't possess any like redeeming qualities like i can play the piano better than my sisters and we'll see that that's not even true because austin goes on to say mary had neither genius nor taste (laughs) and though vanity had given her application meaning like she (laughs) could apply herself because of her vanity yeah it had given her likewise a pedantic air and conceited manner which would have injured a higher degree of excellence than she had reached. So even though she learned to play the piano, this vanity she has gives her a pedantic air, meaning like, I don't know, a very like, she acts like she's smarter than she is. Yeah, she doesn't know it all. Uh Um, And conceited manner. Yeah. Which would have injured a higher degree of excellence than she had reached. So even if she was better, this manner would have ruined it. Yeah. Slash, she doesn't even have any sort of, like, excellence that would even be sort of brought down by her own um, conceitedness. Like, it's not even that she's so good that any kind of negative quality would have brought her down anymore. She's just not very good, even though she thinks she is and works really hard to play the piano well. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. So she is a mediocre piano player, but is very pedantic and conceited, and that makes her even worse. So she's not a very good (laughs) piano player, basically. Yeah, despite Uh, all of her attempts to really try to be a good piano player. Not easy to listen to. Mm. Uh, Elizabeth, easy and unaffected, had been listened to with much more pleasure, though not playing half so well. And Mary at the end of a long concerto, was glad to purchase praise and gratitude by Scotch and Irish heirs at the request of her younger sisters, who at some of the Lucases and two or three officers joined eagerly in dancing at one end of the room. So Mary, you know, is playing like probably Bach or Or some, some, yeah, like very intricate classical piece to show off her skill, which no one enjoys. Nothing to Uh really, you can't, you can't bop your head to it. No. These aren't bangers. These are long ass, like probably seven or eight minute long, like pieces where you just have to sit there and listen to her play. Not great for a party. No, but Uh no, Mary's not great for a party. (laughs) But she finally (laughs) was able to get some praise and gratitude by playing these Scotch and Irish airs, like folk songs. They would have been the equivalent of, like, pop songs yeah. of the day. They're things you can dance to. Yeah, bangers. Uh, dance to your music. 
And then um, other requests are for younger sisters. Kitty and, and some, Lydia. Yeah, and with some of the Lucases and two or three officers, they all decided to dance. So finally there's some dancing at this party. Yeah, uh, which um, is another thing that people would just do at parties is start dancing at one at a corner of the room. And how does Darcy respond to this? Oh, God, he is so not happy. Mr. Darcy stood near them in silent indignation at such a mode of passing the evening <laughs> to the exclusion of all conversation all conversation and was too much engrossed by his own thoughts to perceive that Sir William Lucas was his neighbor till Sir William Lucas does begin. <laughs> so Darcy is just standing there moping pretty yeah, much like I is, hate dancing. He is uh -huh. like un he is not happy that the party has taken a turn for the dancing. And he's just so much engrossed in his thoughts that he doesn't even recognize that Sir William the host is standing right next to him <laughs> until Sir William literally starts talking to him. Yeah, and Sir William says, What a charming amusement for young people this is, Mr. Darcy. There is nothing like dancing after all. I consider it as one of the first refinements of polished societies. Uh -huh. And then Darcy says, certainly, sir. And it has the advantage of also being in vogue amongst the less polished societies in the world. Every savage can dance. So Sir William is being stupid when he's like, dancing is one among the first refinements of polished society. Yeah. I, like, as a knight, as a person who has been knighted by the king, would uh, know this. Yeah, well, because I'm also the an authority to speak on polished society, <laughs> which I think Darcy would reject outright. Yeah. And Darcy very bitingly says, dancing is also in vogue amongst the less polished societies of the world. Every savage can dance. Just in case you didn't get what I was saying. <laughs> it's like, oh god, any time, any attempt at trying to strike up a conversation with Darcy immediately gets shut down. Mm -hmm. Which which is why, you know, he is so, he is like, he is so widely known as like the worst part of every party. <laughs> Sir William only smiled to this. Uh, I, well, I guess I should say maybe it's not so far off to call some of the characters in this book savages. <laughs> like, Lydia is basically a savage. Yeah, Lydia is wild and, uh -huh. like, unrefined and pretty much as, like, as motivated by her, um, her id as you possibly could. Uh, Miss Bingley's maybe savage in another sense. Yes, but in a way that is sort of, like palatable to society. Uh, a refined version of it. Yeah. Uh, Sir William only smiles to this. Your friend performs delightfully, he continued after a pause on seeing Bingley join the group. So basically, like, why aren't you being more like Bingley, your friend? Yeah, it's like, well, your friend is, like, <laughs> your friend is dan probably dancing and he seems to like it. <laughs> and I doubt not that you are adept in the science yourself, Mr. Darcy. And Bing uh, Sir William saying, like, I don't doubt that you're good at dancing also. Yeah, the science meaning the science of dance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And then Mr. Darcy only says, you saw me dance at Meryton, I believe, sir. So it's like, so it's like, I'm not going to even respond to you. I'm just going to be like, well, I danced, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's saying, yeah, both. I, I have, you've seen me dance. And also, uh, maybe he's like being a little self-deprecating. Like, actually, you know how good of a dancer uh, I am. You saw me dance at Meryton. You think it's self-deprecating? Maybe a little bit. Like, I'm not a very good dancer. Okay. Uh, I doubt he's saying, like, oh, you saw me dance at Meriton, and that's why you think I'm adept in the science. I think he, like, neither... He, like, in doing so, he neither agrees nor rejects um, Sir William. Because Sir William is trying to kiss up to him. Uh, he's just saying, you're you're a pretty good dancer yourself. And all, all Darcy says is, like, yeah, I danced. Like, 
I danced at Meriton. <laughs> it's a very neutral statement. I also like how Darcy, when he is, he does not hide when he doesn't want to be having a conversation. Like, he is not asking Sir William any questions. He is not, none of these things he are saying. He's saying, like, or is trying to open it up to further conversation. Yeah, he's like another level. He's like a different version of being impertinent because he's not being impertinent in his loud and conceited way. He's being impertinent in his, like, absolute refusal to engage with anyone. Uh, and Sir William says, yes, indeed, I saw you dance at Meryton and received no inconsiderable pleasure from the sight. There's what a another, weird thing to say. There's another uh, double neg negative, meaning I received pleasure from watching you dance. Yeah. <laughs> Do you dance at St. James? Do you dance often at St. James? What What is... St. James is the royal court, which mm. we all know, like, Sir William is obsessed with royalty. So Darcy being, like, a lord or something? Is Darcy, like, a lord? I think so. Yeah. He's at least... So Darcy uh -huh, knows Darcy sort of is probably in in the king's court more often than not. So he's like, so let's do a little talk a little bit about the court. I'm I'm pretty sure Sir James St James is where Sir William was presented to the king. Yeah, that's where uh, he was like yeah. knighted. So it's he just he wants to talk about what he thinks is the thing that he and Darcy have in common is that they both were at St. James. And this is also like his one like reference point for nobility. Like St. James, <laughs> yeah. I've been there. I know what that is. <laughs> He's going to yeah. be impressed because I bring this up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what does Darcy say to this question? Darcy goes, never, sir. <laughs> Clearly just loving this conversation. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you not think it would be proper compliment to the place? To uh, St. James? Do you not think dancing would be a proper compliment to St. James? And then Darcy goes, it is a compliment which I never pay to any place if I can avoid it. <laughs> so Darcy's like, I avoid dancing at all costs, like, if I can help it. Uh, to which Sir William says, you have a house in town, I conclude. So, so changing the subject immediately, because uh -huh. he's uh like, I'm not getting anywhere with St. James. With yeah, also, I think he's trying to show, like, oh, you know, this means that you are refined, that you have a house in town. Oh, yeah. And also, obviously, Darcy has a house in town. He would definitely, he would definitely. Have a house uh -huh. in town, meaning uh, in, in London. London. Yeah, so this is almost like a pointless question. Yeah, and so Darcy, knowing that it's a pointless question, it goes, Mr. Darcy bowed. Uh, you don't even need to answer this. <laughs> uh, and Sir William says, I had once some thoughts of fixing in town myself, moving to town, to London, for I am fond of superior society, but I did not feel quite certain that the air of London would agree with Lady Lucas. Because of all the damn pollution uh -huh. in London. Also... Maybe he's fond of superior society, but we can imagine, like, what Darcy is thinking in his head when he says this. Wait, what Darcy's saying? No, like, when Sir William says, I'm fond of superior society, we can probably imagine what Darcy is thinking in his head oh, at yeah. this moment. It's like, what do you know about superior <laughs> society, maybe? Yeah, what the hell do you know about anything? Um... So, Sir William paused in hope of an answer, but his companion was not disposed to make any. <laughs> and Elizabeth, at that instant, moving towards them, he was struck with the notion of doing a very gallant thing and called out to her. Uh, I really like how we jump into Sir William's mind just for this like brief moment. The notion of doing a very gallant thing. Yeah, he is all about, I don't know, doing the gallant thing, doing the noble thing. Because he thinks he's almost basically a nobleman himself. Uh, this is also, I feel like this is almost like a Virginia Woolf type move to move into like this you know secondary characters perspective really quickly in this conversation uh-huh okay yeah 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 see so now i'm not getting any answer from darcy we're in sir william's brain i see elizabeth and it's like ah, now i can do a very gallant thing i'm getting a good idea <laughs> and it's also kind of like mocking him like this gallant <laughs> like yeah uh, exactly 
Yeah, like he, why, why on earth would he think that he's the person to, to do this thing now that Elizabeth has shown up? So what is what is Sir William saying? So he says, "My dear Miss Eliza." Oh, I'm, I was wrong. Actually, he calls her Eliza. I guess maybe so that's it's not a, just Charlotte. It's a Lucas thing. It's a Lucas trait. My dear Miss Eliza, why are you not dancing? Mr. Darcy, you must allow me to present this young lady to you as a very desirable partner. You cannot refuse to dance, I am sure, when so much beauty is before you. And uh, so that's the end of what um, Sir Lucas says. Uh, it is interesting, even though Darcy is apparently not attracted to Elizabeth initially, that she is generally held to be very pretty. Yeah. Uh, at least by, like, Sir William here. He's going right. a little too far in, like, yeah. his praise of Elizabeth, if anything. I think any 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 young woman who has been in a situation where her friend's dad says something super awkward can relate to what Elizabeth must be feeling right now. Um, and so, he, yeah. And then it goes, and taking her hand, he would have given mm. it to Mr. Darcy. So in taking Lizzie's hand, hand yeah. Sir, Sir William would have given it to Mr. Darcy, who, though extremely surprised, mm. was not unwilling to receive it. Another double negative. <laughs> so he was willing to take this hand. Yeah. yeah. When she instantly drew back and said with some discomposure to Sir William, Indeed, sir, I have not the least intention of dancing. I entreat you not to suppose that I move this way in order to beg for a partner. Mm, that's very fair. Yeah. Uh -huh. So, uh right. So, yeah, he, she... You know, she sort of just came up to them or was like sort of ended up hovering towards towards Sir William. Sir William is like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to I'm going to play a matchmaker here. Mm -hmm. And then without even asking anyone, he takes her hand. Grabs her hand. Yeah. And then kind of like gives it to Darcy. And then she, you know, <laughs> she like recoils and draws back and um, is like, you know, has to like make sure that there's no miscommunication here and she has to like be like look i didn't come here to try to find a partner like i hope you didn't think that that's what i came uh -huh. here to she why do you think she came over to them what do you think elizabeth's real intention was i don't know to tease darcy i think more. so yeah to tease darcy a little bit more yeah i like that line yeah not to, i treat you not to suppose that i move this way in order to beg for a partner like stop reading and like interpreting everything i do as like a desperate attempt to get a man yeah and uh, i appreciate that this scene mirrors the, the the assembly scene in chapter three where like bingley tries to tell darcy to dance with elizabeth and darcy refuses here once again someone is trying to get darcy and elizabeth to dance and darcy is sort of like he's willing he's yeah. willing he's like yeah sure and then it's elizabeth Who's the one that does the refusing? Because uh, she doesn't need him. Yeah, Elizabeth <laughs> gets the upper hand in this scene. Yeah. Because we'll, we'll, we'll see. Darcy, with grave propriety, requested to be... <laughs> that is not an attractive way to ask someone to dance. With, with grave, grave propriety. propriety. <laughs> requested to be allowed the honor of her hand, but in vain. Uh, I, I just want to talk about the grammar here a little bit. Great propriety, hilarious. Not attractive way to ask someone to dance, but mm -hmm. requested to be allowed the honor of her hand. This is kind of like mimicking... The courtly language Darcy probably would have used yeah. to ask Elizabeth this is to this what dance. probably uh -huh. what he literally said to her. Like, <laughs> would you, which I'm, I am requesting to be allowed the honor <laughs> of your hand. Requesting to be allowed the honor. <laughs> um, but in but vain. vain. Ha -ha. Yeah, what's it say next? Elizabeth was determined. <laughs> Not to dance. Not to dance. Nor did Sir William at all shake her purpose by his attempt at persuasion. Uh -huh. So it's like... Not even Sir William could convince her otherwise. 
which I appreciate the humor in that. It's like, Sir William couldn't convince anyone to do anything. Uh, he tried. <laughs> uh, Sir William says, you excel so much in the dance, Miss Eliza, that it is cruel to deny me the happiness of seeing you. Just like... <laughs> I just almost, almost with as much happiness as seeing Darcy dance at the other ball. Sir William, I think it's totally fair to say, is being kind of a creep. Like, like he's just like this old guy who like <laughs> loves seeing young people dance. That it's like, so he's like Elizabeth. How could you be so cruel to deny me the pleasure of watching you dance? <laughs> right? Yeah, that's kind of like, creepy. He's like uh, that old, like your your friend's old grandparent or uncle or father that just constantly says weird things and you have to like leave the room and go into the go with your friend upstairs to the bedroom uh, i don't think this is like putting a modern reading on this i think austin you think sees austin? sir william is maybe she wouldn't use that word creepy but she definitely thinks he's being way too forward in this moment and yeah, also totally. like making being ridiculous totally being improper uh -huh. here. like you can't just force two people to dance because they're younger than you <laughs> and like take it as an insult to yourself when they don't <laughs> uh but he says though it is cruel to deny me the happiness of seeing you and i like this move that comes up here and though this gentleman dislikes the amusement in general darcy he dislikes dancing in general he can have no objection, I'm sure, to oblige us for one half hour. That us is great. So now he is, like, drawing Elizabeth into this desire. Like, she, come on, Darcy, oblige us, me and Elizabeth in yeah. this dance. Yeah, it's like, God, why, like, and Elizabeth's probably just like, why are you putting us in the same category? <laughs> <laughs> what does Darcy say to that? Oh, I mean, what does Elizabeth say to that? <laughs> so, okay. Elizabeth looked archly and turned away. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. So, oh, wait, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting ahead of myself. Uh, um, so he says, Darcy can have no objection, I'm sure, to oblige us for one half hour. Sir William says yeah. this. And, Sir, and then Elizabeth says, Mr. Darcy is all politeness, <laughs> said Elizabeth, smiling. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a backhanded compliment here. Mr. Darcy is all politeness, which means there's nothing else to him. <laughs> <laughs> only he's all and only politeness yeah and also he's been impolite to her <laughs> oh that's right yeah, yeah yeah we're just gonna we're just gonna like you know i'm gonna let him ponder as to whether or not i heard him talking about me <laughs> at the other ball uh um and so sir william says he is indeed this joke totally goes over his head <laughs> but considering the inducement meaning you elizabeth my dear eliza we cannot wonder at his complacence. Compliance, right? Complacence. Complacence. So obligingness to please uh, or desire okay. to please. Uh, but considering the inducement, you, how pretty you are, we cannot wonder at his complacence. What? How's it pronounced? Complacence, I think. Okay. For who would object to such a partner? He's. This is more kind of creepy. You're just so good looking. <laughs> Like, how could Darcy possibly refuse? Yeah, here, it's like, it's this is so revealing as Sir William. It's like, the only thing you could possibly want in a dance partner is a pretty woman. So, uh, why on earth would he not want to dance with you? Which is... <laughs> uh, but Elizabeth's done with this. Now she looks archly and turned away. Yeah, archly but... meaning, like, playful, playfully, like, she's just like, I'm done with this conversation. But does this refusal hurt Elizabeth in Darcy's eyes? No, if it, it, if anything, it kind of just like, because now there's a very distinct difference between her and Sir William, mm -hmm. like a guy who was actually knighted, you know. <laughs> yep, it says her resistance had not injured her with the gentleman, with Mr. Darcy. Elizabeth's resistance to dance with Darcy had not injured her in his estimation of her. Mm -hmm. And he was thinking of her with some complacency when thus accosted by Miss Bingley. 
so I love how like the rotation of characters. Yeah. So Elizabeth has left. We can sort of assume Sir William has also left, and now he's standing there, kind of like almost like happily enjoying his thoughts about Elizabeth. Like he's there, like oh, she's kind of cool. This is Darcy at a party is not fun. His favorite activity is just to stand around and think. Yeah, well, he doesn't like parties in general, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. it's uh-huh. like he's just gonna stand there, and then you know he's just kind of you know standing there, being rel- as content as he can be at a party, and then Miss Bingley shows up. Miss Bingley, the the one who's trying to like get at Mister Darcy, Miss Bingley goes. I can guess the subject of your reverie. So she's noticed that he is sort of like, hasn't, is weirdly happy, is weirdly content at this party. And she's like, I bet I can, I bet I can guess what you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. And Darcy says, I should imagine not. I don't think you will be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think you can. And then she goes, you are considering how insupportable it would be to pass many evenings in this manner, in such society. And indeed, I am quite of your opinion. I was never more annoyed, exclamation point. <laughs> The insipidity, and yet the noise, the nothingness, and yet the self-importance of all these people. What I would give to hear your strictures on them. <laughs> this almost sounds like Mrs. Bennett uh, <laughs> talking to Mr. Bennett after the ball. Like, what I would get to hear your signature put-downs of Darcy. Right, uh-huh. and let's let's just, you know, let's just notice that she completely misreads Mr. Darcy. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. She thinks he's like mockingly mm-hmm. in his in his brain mockingly mocking everyone in society, in this society right now and she's like I want to hear what you have to say about these. Yeah, I love how she's like you're considering how insupportable it would be to pass many evenings in this manner with these people in such society. And indeed, I'm quite of your opinion. So, here's your opinion and I agree with it. <laughs> like yeah. I've just conjectured your opinion for you. Yeah. And, and I agree she, with it. And she's uh, she's she's like um she's portraying this as reverie. She thinks Mr. Darcy delights in thinking about these things. I mean, Probably because Miss Bingley delights yeah, in thinking yeah. about these things. Yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, she's not this is not a terrible guess of what Darcy is thinking. Right. Uh, based on, like, previous actions and statements. Yeah, had had he not probably taken an interest in Elizabeth, this is probably what he was thinking. But she's also going a little overboard. The, insipid- the insipidity and yet the noise, the nothingness and yet the self-importance of all these people. <laughs> that is, that's not nice words yeah. to say. You uh, should never refer to anyone as these people. <laughs> the insipidity and yet the noise, basically, like, how... How much they talk, or like how meager they are versus how much noise they make, how much they talk about themselves. That's yeah. my reading of that. Yeah. Uh, the nothingness, the like absolute valuelessness of these people, yet the self-importance that with they they carry themselves. Right. I mean, all right. Well, to go back to Sir William briefly, I do want to say maybe I was overstating the the fact a little bit. Maybe he's not quite a creep. He is genial and like not supercilious. And just, like, wants everyone to have a good time. Yeah. This is what Austin tells us. But he is also a dummy and, like, can't read the situation. Uh Exactly. He can't read the situation, but he's doing this with, like, good intentions. He just doesn't realize how ridiculous he's being because he thinks he's so... He has this, like, inflated sense of self-importance. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so that being said, this kind of... This description from Miss Bingley, which is very harsh, does sound a little bit like Sir William. The insipidity and yet the noise. Yeah. 
<laughs> what she is describing is Sir William. <laughs> yeah, the nothingness and yet in, the self-importance. Yeah, uh, especially in everything we've seen of Sir William yeah. <laughs> in, this, in this interaction. Because let's not forget, Sir William retired from his job just to feel self-important all day. That is his now <laughs> primary <laughs> occupation. Yep. Okay, all right, I'm sorry. I just wanted to... Uh, clear that up a little bit. Maybe I was being too critical of Sir William. I mean, it's hard not to view Sir William in a modern lens and be like, this is a guy who would, like, tell women to smile more uh-huh. and, like, would, like, give them shoulder massages without them asking. <laughs> yeah, well, the it just seems very violating, the grabbing Elizabeth's hand to, like, give it to Darcy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. That was... I'm going back, though. But we're talking about Miss Bingley and Darcy. Okay. Uh, so what does Darcy tell Miss Bingley after this? He goes... Your conjecture is totally wrong, I assure you. <laughs> My mind was more agreeably engaged. So it's like, I wasn't thinking badly of these people. In fact, I was thinking of something more positive. I have been meditating on the very great pleasure which a pair of fine eyes in the face of a pretty woman mm. can bestow. And I'm sure Miss Bingley is like, fuck, who the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so Miss Bingley immediately fixed her eyes on his face and desired he would tell her what lady had the credit of inspiring such reflections. I don't think there's any way she could really think that it's her. I'm sure she hopes that it's her eyes that he's talking about. Yeah, but, but she, it's like, she has like, like a, a light, a red light. A red flag has gone off, and she's like, who the fuck is this? I mean, yeah. <laughs> who is my competition here? <laughs> Darcy and Miss Bingley have seen a lot of each other, probably. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's... He wouldn't need a ball for those reflections of Miss Bingley to be set off. It's obviously about someone else. Yeah, and so... Um... So she asks who it is. Yes. And Mr. Darcy replied with great intrepidity. Intrepidity? 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 What does so, that like, mean? So, like, carefulness, I think. Uh, okay. Miss Elizabeth Bennet. <laughs> I also like Darcy is not trying to lead Miss Bingley on in the least bit. That's true. Yeah, Mr. Darcy, it sounds like, has never expressed interest in courting Miss Bingley. Just, and Miss Bingley is like still trying, kind of trying hard to, to climb that tree. In this conversation, he's told her she's wrong twice and then told her <laughs> that he is attracted to another woman. This doesn't sound like at all someone who is yeah. interested in Miss Bingley. And then uh, Miss Elizabeth Bennet repeated Miss Bingley. I am all astonishment. How long has she been such a favorite? And I and pray, when am I to wish you joy? Joy for what? Marriage. Uh, when am I going to congratulate you on your marriage? She's yeah. being facetious here. She's being facetious uh-huh. and she's also being a little, um, what, what did I say before? A little uh, insecure here. Yeah, she, yeah. She's she's almost like lashing out here. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh yeah, you like her? When am I supposed, so like, when are you going to get married, huh? To which Darcy replies, that is exactly the question which I expected you to ask. (laughs) A lady's imagination is very rapid. It jumps from admiration to love, from love to matrimony in a moment. I knew you would be wishing me joy. This is an interesting, we're about to end the chapter here soon, an interesting note to land on. This kind of talks about what Charlotte and Elizabeth were discussing in the previous scene. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, a lady's imagination jumps from admiration to love, from love to matrimony in a moment. Yeah. It's also exactly what Mrs. Bennet thinks. She, she, she jumps, she, she leaps to conclusions in the way that Darcy's describing right now. Uh, Darcy could also stand to have his privilege checked a little bit. Like, there's a reason (laughs) women have to get married sooner than him. Yeah, totally. He's just like saying, you women, all you think about is marriage. And it's like, yeah, because they need to marry to fucking survive. (laughs) I also think, so we get two fairly, like, 
misogyny sounds like a harsh word, but I guess it is ultimately. Like, women only care about balls. Women only care about getting married. These are two things Darcy says in this chapter. Mm-hmm. I think Elizabeth is going to kind of reform him in these views as the through the course of the book. Well, yeah, well, because Darcy partially, I think, doesn't like balls because he thinks partially these are women's attempts to find men and get married. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth, which is true, which is true, <laughs> yeah, which is true. Yeah, yeah. But Elizabeth is going to show that she likes balls because she wants to have a good time, uh-huh. and she can do it without being like without being totally like wild and crazy like Lydia. She can enjoy to have to have a good time at a ball without the intention of trying to land a husband. Uh huh. Which is why it's also significant that Elizabeth does not return any of Darcy's feelings at all at yeah, this point. Yeah, that's true. Uh-huh. Right now, all Darcy has done is fucking um, embarrass her. And what she's doing right now, she's trying, like, in, in teasing Darcy, she's also trying to, like, save face a bit. She's trying to show, like, you didn't get the best of me. Like, I can still, I can still, you know, clap back at you. Uh-huh. Well, Charlotte Lucas would have definitely accepted Darcy's hand oh, totally. if he had offered a dance. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Bennett hates Darcy, so I don't quite know how she would react if she found out that Elizabeth rejected her. I rejected him, rather. Hmm. I think Miss. I think Mrs. Bennett would not be happy knowing that. He, yeah. Like yeah. okay, Miss. Mrs. Bennett only quote unquote hates Darcy because Darcy looked down. I mean, yeah, mainly because Darcy looked down, but also uh, because like she has no reason to even try to like him because he's made his feelings very. Yeah, known. he's not gonna marry one of her daughters. Yeah, yeah, so she's like, well, he's gonna be. He's like, I'm tossing him out the window, but if he had proposed to one of my daughters, of course she would totally change her mind about him. Uh, well, I guess, and it's also this. How about how a lady's imagination jumps from admiration to love to matrimony in a moment is the opposite of elizabeth elizabeth was just saying in this conversation with charlotte that that's not how her mind works yeah she totally um she totally uh you know upturns everything darcy thinks he knows about women (laughs) (laughs) which is why they they make a good match i guess i don't know yeah Yeah, she she changes him um and then okay yeah what what does miss bingley say Nay, if you are so serious about it, which he didn't say he was, mm-hmm. she's just she's just saying yeah. it. If you are so serious about it, I shall consider the matter as absolutely settled. Meaning, like, you're basically going to marry her. Mm. You will have a charming <sighs> mother-in-law indeed. And, of course, she will always be at Pemberley with you. So this is, she knows the biggest uh, slight against Elizabeth, which is her terrible mother. And you're going to have yeah. to put up with her if you ever get married. I know. It's so ironic uh-huh. that, like... The biggest, the biggest um, hurdle to these Bennett girls getting married is the is the very Mrs. Bennett who was trying to set them up to get married. That is that is kind of ironic. <laughs> it is also it's interesting. Darcy kind of underscores how for Jane it'd be very dangerous if she went around saying these things about Bingley about oh, yeah. like how bewitching his eyes are. But Darcy can say that about Elizabeth and not necessarily have. In, like views on marrying her he can just comment on how like attractive her eyes are yeah but he doesn't have to say i'm gonna get married to her no yeah uh-huh. he says he straight up tells miss bingley whom he is admi- admiring right now because he doesn't have to live with any repercussions uh-huh. it's like totally a, <laughs> a privilege for him to just be like yeah i find miss elizabeth bennett very attractive and um not have that be a scandal and he just has to withstand miss bingley's like teasing yeah that's the biggest punishment (laughs) or like a repercussion for this right but miss uh bingley of course 
you know, makes a great point. She plays you a trump want, card. Yeah, you don't want that, Mrs. Bennett in your family. Yeah, you don't want Mrs. Bennett in your life, let alone in your house. <laughs> in Pemberley. In Pemberley, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no yeah. less. <laughs> uh, and then in last paragraph, will you read this for us? Sure. He listened to her with perfect indifference. Darcy did. Darcy yeah. listened to Miss Bingley with perfect indifference. While she chose to entertain herself in this manner, and as his composure convinced her that all was safe, her wit flowed long. So she continues to make fun of his attachment and the Bennets, and he kind of just stands there and indifferently, like, listens, I guess, just takes it. Yeah. Maybe his minds are like, maybe his mind is somewhere else. Well, what do you think it means that all was safe? I took it to mean that, like, Darcy is not so interested in Elizabeth that she can't mock her anymore. Uh, I think... Yeah, that's a really good point. I think uh, the reason she immediately starts talking about marriage after he brings up Elizabeth is because she wants to gauge whether how serious he is in this attachment mm-hmm. or whether these thoughts are in his head or not. Yeah, she's very And sweet. yeah, I think as his composure convinced her that all was safe, that means like, first of all, he's not going to rebuke her, uh, Miss Bingley, for making fun of the Bennets, but also that, like you said, this attachment is not, this is not a serious attachment to Miss Bingley's mind. Right, yeah. She thinks that she has nothing to worry about and that she can continue shitting on the Bennets. <laughs> uh, like, this marriage is, like, the idea of a marriage between them is as much of a jest as she makes out. Like, it's not a serious possibility at this point. Yeah. You're right. This is sort of like, um, this this teasing is like a barometer of how interested Darcy is in Elizabeth. And she has taken, she has concluded that it's not very serious for now (laughs) wow it's it's definitely it's impressive how many characters are in the the short span of chapter six and it's like it jumps from scene to scene like maybe from day to day even like especially in the beginning we don't know what days these take place in but um yeah different parties different different social hangouts Mm -hmm. different characters different perspectives Mm mm-hmm a lot of stuff going on. There's also Prime Bridge's fairly short book. That's a massive amount of characters. Yes. And Austin is great as dish, like differentiating between the characters. They each have their own like very unique personality that's like driven home without like without resorting to catchphrases or uh, you know, hyperbolic uh, actions or like cer- certain like qualities that are repeated over and over like each character has their own prerogative right. but they're allowed to like move about like they have a lot of variety still mm-hmm. like there's that phrase it's like show don't tell in this case the narrator both shows and tells mm-hmm. she'll tell you how a oh, character Austin is. tells all the time yeah, yeah Austin tells all the time but she she's still great at proving what she's telling Mm -hmm. so like for example charles dickens writes books with hundreds of characters (laughs) and the way he distinguishes them is he gives them each care like characters like certain like deformities he'll give them catchphrases he gives them like topics that they talk about all the time which austin does to some extent but her characters have so much greater variety so like a sir william is obsessed with saint james and his own title and throwing balls and but he like talks about this subtly so yeah. like he'll ask darcy have you danced at saint james rather than maybe if a dickens was writing this he would just be repeating the story of his knighthood again and again <laughs> like austin characters are subtly directing the conversation towards where they wanted to go yeah it's almost like sometimes 
like with Sir William, he she gives him his like sort of origin story, and then um and then kind of through dialogue, sh- like reveals like the the effects of his origin story. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. Like where it has wound him up. Uh-huh. Yeah. Same with Mrs. Bennet, who is you know so has the monomania of marriage. Like, even that, like, adapts itself to interesting forms. Like, she can have this conversation with the Lucases where she has, like, civil restraint. Yeah. And she's directing it towards the marriage of her daughters without, like, outright stating it. Mm -hmm. And she's also a flexible enough character to say, like, argue with one of the Lucas boys over (laughs) whether he's actually going to drink a bottle of wine a day. This is, yeah, and this is, like, this is the great thing about Jane Austen. It's just, like, you can tell she is paying very close attention to the conversations that were probably around her during this time. Like she's able to sort of like, she's able to sort of like use, use this like dialogue, use these like certain like types of conversations as um, reflections of the like, of the um, like priorities of society at the time. Like you could probably, you could probably very well like guess that these conversations that are happening between like the Lucases and the Bennets, for example, are things that she probably was, are conversations that she herself probably sat in, in real life. Oh, definitely. And that she's Uh... able to like realize that this conversation is indicative of, uh, of, of the, of like the priorities of this time. So I just think it's really like, it's really, really so expertly like written and like, yeah, it's just, it's so intelligently written, mm-hmm. I think. It's so intelligent, but also, like, very, I think, very, um, like, uh, friendly. And it's, like, written in a really friendly manner that isn't too hard for people to read. Oh, this is some of Austin. This is probably Austin, Austin's, like, Crispus book. Crispus? Chris, uh, crispiest? No. <laughs> crispiest. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, her most economic and, like, bang, bang, to the point yeah. dialogue action, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you never feel lost. You never feel lost. I don't really think any sentence is wasted. Any mm-hmm. any space is wasted. Like every sentence deserves its place in this book. And Austin is different among her time in that she does not write long descriptions of landscapes. Is not <laughs> is not interested so much in the poetry as like the drama. Yeah. Even though there is a poetic, I don't want to like you know diminish the prose. The prose is great and crisp and reads super clean, and there is a poetry to it, but. It never overshadows the drama of the action. Yeah. She knows what people are itching to turn the page Uh for. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, we should probably wrap up because this has been a longer chapter, but Mm -hmm. thank you for listening. Yep. I'm Grace. I'm Tom. And we'll see you the next chapter.